Hello everybody, this episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, a service that you can use to organise conversations and English lessons with native speakers online through Skype. It's a great way to work on your spoken fluency in English from the comfort of your own home. And the cool thing is that because you're a Lepster, because you listen to this podcast, when you buy some lessons on italki, they will give you a voucher for a free lesson. Uh, so if you really want to fast track your English to fluency, you can do it by talking to people or getting lessons on italki. Just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. And remember, when you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher, which is equivalent to a free lesson, basically. Not bad at all. Now then, here is your new episode and here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I hope you're doing all right. hope you're having a nice August. It's, it, I imagine it's August when you're listening to this, unless um, you have pulled this episode out of the episode archive months and months later. But I expect for most of you listening to this, it's August. I'm on holiday at the moment, but because of the magic of the internet, uh, this episode has been automatically published. But I'll be just sort of uh, relaxing on holiday, I imagine, while you actually listen to this. Um, But anyway, in this episode of the podcast, I'm talking once again to Andy Johnson, my friend and former colleague from the London School of English, which is in London. What a surprise. Um, Andy, you remember Andy? He looks a bit like Moby. Remember that? Yes, of course. Uh, Andy has uh, been on this podcast four or five times before. So if you are a regular listener, you'll know his voice already. Uh, Andy's an English teacher, a marathon runner, and a father of two children. In fact, his second son was born very recently. And in this conversation, you will hear us talking about such things as... The pain of stepping on Lego. You know Lego. I'm sure it's it's the same name all around the world. Lego, that toy for children that allows them to be creative by constructing things. Lego is like all these different br- uh, bricks of different sizes. Um, and you stick them together. They've got like little nodules that allow them to stick together. And you can make anything. A house, a car, a helicopter. Uh, the Death Star from Star Wars. Uh, but... Um, Often Lego gets left on the floor. And if you have ever stepped on a piece of Lego, you'll know that it's probably the most painful thing in the world. I imagine it's more painful than any other kind of pain that you can name. Much more painful than childbirth, for example. Oh, no, that's that's impossible. Nothing's more painful than that. Anyway, um, stepping on a piece of Lego is an incredibly painful experience. So we talk about that for a bit. We also talk about uh, recording the podcast in what used to be the boss's office at the London School of English. Uh, we talk about uh, developments in Andy's job and his career. Uh, his next conference talk about self-directed learning. Um, Andy tends to do things like the IATEFL conference every year, and he does a different talk each time. And it looks like his next talk will be about self-directed learning, 
which is quite appropriate for people listening to this podcast because I imagine that most of you are involved in a bit of self-directed learning, I expect. Um, for example, you chose to listen to this uh, podcast. There might be other things that you're doing as well that involve uh, learning on your own, let's say, rather than going to a language school and being told what to do in a classroom, you might be self-directing your learning. And if that is the case, well, I'm sure it is because you're listening to this, um, Andy would actually like to know a little bit more about the way in which you learn by yourself. I'll tell you more about this at the end of our conversation, but basically there's a little survey that Andy would like you to do. And if you check the page for this episode, you'll see a link to Andy's survey. And you can then tell him a little bit more about the way in which you um, self-direct your learning. And that will help him uh, to prepare for his uh, his next conference talk. Um, we talk about where Andy comes from and his accent including the ways that uh, we both say certain words, so we kind of compare our accents, which are not that different, but slightly different. Um, we, we compare the ways in which we say certain words, like the words bath, grass, laugh, podcast, ask, and after. Uh, so a little exploration of Andy's accent. Uh, we talk about the time when my dad visited the London School of English to do a talk in front of loads of students. Uh, so we talk about that. Uh, that moment in history. Um, and we talk a little bit about the ways in which British and American people speak English too. So this is part one of a two-part conversation. Uh, part two should arrive um, in your vicinity before too long. And in that one, we talk about something completely different. Um, but without any further ado, I will now let you listen to part one of my conversation with Andy Johnson. And here we go. I've got a really sore toe. Really? Why have you got a sore toe? Oh, it's a children's toy related. Oh, yeah? I could talk, talk about it in the podcast if you like. Well, you are already because I've pressed record. Have you? Yeah. So <laughs> tell me about your children's toy related incident and Seamless. your toes. So, well, it's not actually a story. I don't think I'm going to tell you. I just, I just stepped on one of my son's bits of Lego this morning. Oh. I don't know what I've done to my toe as a result. Oh, dear. But it's all turned black. It's disgusting. That's what Lego does to you, to a toe if yeah. you step on it. Yeah, it's lethal stuff. Yeah, it is. And I did like a I did a really long run yesterday. Did like well, not really long. I did sixteen kilometres yesterday, so I should be hobbling around as a result of that. But um, my legs are fine. It's just the Lego. Yeah, has cropped me. It's, I'm surprised they're not using Lego in in military situations. I think they might be. You know, like uh, D Day. For example, you know, the Germans built very fortified defences on the beach. They should have just spread Lego all over the beach. And that obviously would have sold. What, but they had boots, didn't they? The what's the worst bit of Lego you've ever stood on? I don't know. I think it was probably something like a, 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 a you know, a, a medium-sized sixer. I'd say, no, no, yeah. Sixer, that's quite bad. But the worst ones are the, are the, four, the four and the twos, you know. So four long, two wide, because they just really grind in. Four long and two wide. Yeah, yeah. One of those. Oh, I that's see. Really that's really like an eighter. It's going to dig in. An eighter, yeah. yeah. It's going to dig in. Right. It's going to hurt a lot. They're, and they're the most common type, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I think, they've been, I think they're the, the, the most painful, therefore the most common. I think right. everyone thinks Lego is this benevolent, wonderful company that's here to advance <laughs> children's creativity. <laughs> it's just there to hurt adults. Right, I see. Yeah. Lego and banana skins. 
Although Lego, people talk about banana skins or it's in comic books as if that's like a common thing. But have you ever seen someone slip on a banana skin? No. In comic books, it's like the slipperiest substance known to man. Yeah. I think, again, that the army should be using these things. They should just be spreading Lego and banana skins all over uh, battlefields. The World War One could have been so- solved within a few weeks. You can imagine wave after wave of obstacles. Oh, they've, they've put banana skins down. <laughs> what is it, Sergeant? Banana skins. <laughs> no! And that takes out a load of them, and then they're like, what next? Oh, Lego! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reports are coming in, sir, that... Uh, what is it? What is it, Captain? Uh, aiders. They're aiders, Captain. They're using Lego, sir. Not Lego! <laughs> what kind of Lego is it? Is it flat fours? No, sir, it's worse than that. It's, they got aiders. Yeah, that would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? Yeah. Thank God that's not happening. Yeah. Yet. I, I just feel like this is, I think it's, my son's only got a little bit of Lego because he's only two. Mm-hmm. And so this is only going to get worse. This is my life from now on. Right. I'm just going to gradually just, I'm probably going to be in a wheelchair before <laughs> too long. Because I've stood on so much Lego that I can no longer walk. Did you stand on the Lego before you you ran sixteen? No, 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 no. Ran sixteen k yesterday. It was this morning. Um, my son's got this thing at the moment where he wakes up um, like a stupid time in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like um, I tell you, on Saturday night, we've we've just had a little boy who's six weeks old. Yeah, congratulations! Thank by you, the way. thank you, mate. And um, it's like him and his brother have been talking, and they've. <laughs> they've got together a little plan to make sure that one of them is awake at all times. Right. Because literally, my wife was like trying to get um, Calvin to go to sleep and he finally fell asleep at four o'clock in the morning. So she'd been going for quite a long time. He finally settled him and he was asleep. And the moment she got into bed, our eldest son, Ezra, he gets up. Four o'clock in the morning, comes into our room and he says, Daddy... I need to play. <laughs> I need to play as well. Not, not I want to play. I need to play. So I was like, oh, God, okay. So I took him into the lounge and, and got his toys out and put some TV on for him. And oh. then I went back to bed. At what time was that? Four o'clock. Oh, God. But he was, you know, I just knew that there was no point in me reasoning with him and saying, no, Izzy, it's the middle of the night. Go back to bed. He wasn't going to do it. So, yeah, so he played. And then this morning, it was, it was a bit later. It was half five this morning. But what he does is... He's he's super sleepy. And he'll just he'll just lie on the couch and he'll watch a bit of TV and he's really nice and cute and cuddly. Yeah. And then as soon as you go back to bed, he gets all his toys out. So by the time I got up about an hour later, kind of stumbling into the the living room, yeah. fast asleep, half asleep still, yeah. and then ouch! Oh. It's like he'd laid them all out on the floor to catch me out. Right to see if it's so he knew if someone was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's always me, so um, that gets it. So yeah, so I've been hobbling around all day. Um, someone needs with a to Lego in- related injury. Someone needs to in- invent some like Lego proof slippers or something. Yeah, right. well, I think they're just called shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I need to start going to bed wearing boots. Then I'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's clearly the, the way forward. The problem is, people keep saying to me, "You're all right. You're okay. You look like you're in real pain." And then it's like. It's nothing. Because if I tell the story, it's just like, yeah, okay, it's a piece of Lego. Go Stepped on a piece of Lego. Stepped on a piece of Lego. <laughs> How bad can it be? But believe me, it's really painful. No, I think that uh, anyone who's ever stepped on Lego can, can, you know, verify 
that it's yeah it's it's the sharpest substance in the world mm-hmm. like it's sharper than a diamond isn't it lego i mean you know you know like in drilling yeah you know in drilling for oil they use diamond tipped uh, drill bits they use diamond tipped lego they should be using lego tipped drill bits <laughs> that would that would go through you know the the earth far more effectively than diamond apparently they cut diamonds with lego do oh, is, yeah. is that right yeah that's true fact right that's a fact the only thing that it can beat a diamond is is a lego ater <laughs> an ater by the way i don't know if you if you're picking up on this ladies and gents but an ater it's like the nickname you use for a certain piece of lego so when i was a kid my brother and i had a big box full of lego it's just a, this box full of it and you'd like sort of drag your hand through it you know that sound of the sound of lego mm. so we'd be dragging our hands through trying to find the right pieces to build the thing that we were trying to build and it would be like you know we'd be speaking in code to each other it's like we were a couple of dentists or something yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. know like have you got any if you got an eater have you got a flat fora you know have you <laughs> i need a single tour you know <laughs> this weird language that we developed and i think it's the same everywhere like even kids who um you know didn't ever meet and never shared this language they developed the same terminology independent from yeah. each other yeah it's weird isn't it that that well, the, the 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 sort of uh, requirements of the situation lead to this certain language being created and it all the same language is created in different places well my my dad when we were kids i've got a twin brother and an older sister and because we we've got a swedish mother we're we're, i think being half scandinavian you kind of conditioned to play with lego and we had so much lego and my dad built like a big storage trunk for all the lego and it had like separate like drawers in it nice. and they'd be divided up so and i think the only reason he did this is because he once stepped on some lego and he thought <laughs> right that's it i'm gonna build him a storage box that's how my dad speaks by the way and you know it, it had like all sorts of bits but i remember the, the my favorite drawer was like divided into like 24 separate little things and that's where you put all the really little technical bits like mm. little aerials and steering wheels lights and, and stuff heads we had a little bit full of heads right. just lego heads which is a bit you know, a bit, bit weird. bit creepy. bit creepy. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so standing on Lego is quite a new thing for me because I never used to do it as a kid. I probably did, but I've forgotten about it. But yeah. it's because uh, our Lego was always, you know, neatly. It was, it, it, was, it was built. It was always built into something. So you could never. Do you, you know where that box is now? We sold it. Oh, we mate. sold it. We sold it. We got to like, I think it was like maybe 14, 15. And my brother and I were like, yeah, we're too old for this. We should sell it. And we probably sold it for far too little yeah. for what it was worth. Well, considering what it's worth to you now, probably, yeah. you know, uh, you could. That's obviously what you need now. Well, what you're, it's like it's like Star Wars. This is yeah. So the same thing happens through the generations that your dad like built this Lego box because he stepped on a piece of Lego. Yeah. No, yeah. like that. And now you're going through exactly the same thing. It's exactly like Star Wars. Yeah, I should never have let it go. And the thing is. I remember very clearly what I bought with the money. Yeah. I got this horrible green suede jacket. <laughs> like a green bomber jacket. It was this. I mean, I, at the time, it looked good. Yeah. It looked really, really good. But now, actually, it didn't look good. It must have looked awful. But I was 14 years old. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Priorities. Right. It's all about priorities. Um, so, Andy Johnson is on the podcast, listeners. I think you've worked that out by now. You're half Swedish, are you? Yes. Really? Yes. Which half is your mum's side? Mum's side, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, 
you know, does that make you does that make you any different? I mean, I, do you feel half Swedish? I do. Yeah, I do. Well, because we um, we spent a lot of time when we were kids over in Sweden, so we go over every summer. And um, we used to speak a lot of Swedish with our grandparents. And then I remember always remember coming back at the end of the summer to go back to school and having to flip back into English. And yeah. I remember it being quite difficult. Yeah, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, my middle name is Björn after Björn Borg, the tennis player. Is it really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Specifically yeah. after him. Yeah. Well, my mum was like well into tennis when yeah. I was born in '76, which is I think the first year he won Wimbledon, or I, I don't know. Uh, so he was very, very popular with the ladies, as I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And so that I took his uh, name as my middle name. But we've, yeah, we've all got some kind of Swedish name, all three kids. Oh, right. um, but yeah, ever since I was a kid, I've always been very, I've always felt that side of my culture very keenly. Yeah. And I've still, I've, I've had, I've got more family in Sweden than I do in England. Oh, right. um, and I think I said it on the podcast before, maybe I didn't, but we've now got my wife is half greek and half south african yeah. so our kids are like proper mongrels they're like quarter yeah everything yeah but yeah how many different quarters are there in there it's like six different quarters how many quarters do you um, think i don't know there's like <laughs> how english, many quarters are there normally <laughs> well four right i imagine uh uh english uh swedish uh south african um and and, greek and greek yeah right yeah okay yeah that's four uh, that's yeah <laughs> I'm just checking the maths, you know. I just have to fact check all of the maths on this podcast, um, you know, because we wouldn't want to make any numerical errors. I think this is why they wake up all through the night, yeah, because they just don't know their identity. They wake up going, "What am I? <laughs> what am I? <laughs> Which quarter am I? Really?" Um, okay, do you speak any Swedish now? I do. I do a little bit. Uh, I. I not as much as I used to, because I lived in Sweden for a while, and um, I used to speak a lot more then. But I think we were having a chat before we rec- were recording, and um, Luke was saying that in Paris, you'll often go and order something in Paris, and they'll reply in English. Right. I had exactly the same thing happen to me in Sweden. Right. And it used to really annoy me. But as soon as people found out that you're English, they'd be like, oh, can I practice my English with you? My English is terrible. And <laughs> of course, Scandinavians tend to be very good at English. So I'm like, no, your English isn't terrible. My Swedish really is bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I learned a lot when I lived there, but I haven't used it for such a long time. You know, mm. I haven't got space in my brain anymore for languages. No, because they're it's just all, all disappearing. Lego problems and... First world problems. <laughs> Right, yeah. Lego on the toe. That's it. Right. You've got no time to think about learning anything when you've, when you've. The struggle is real, Luke. But you, you also said you ran sixteen kilometers today. No, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. But you stepped on the Lego this morning, right? Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about your running and stuff uh, later on because I know sure. lots of uh, my listeners listen to this podcast when they're running, so it might be interesting to hear someone talking about it while they're actually doing it. Where are we, by the way, at this moment, Andy? Uh, we are. In my workplace. Um, so we're at the London School of English in Holland Park Gardens. Um, specifically, we're in what used to be the chairman of the school's office, uh, mm. which has kind of been turned into a bit of a recording studio. So it's they've put soundproofing on the wall, so hopefully it sounds good um, for you today. And mm. it's, we, we basically use this room now for online lessons and online delivery. Oh, right. So, really? um, yeah, and you're lucky, actually, because this time last week, there were no free rooms in really? the building at all. We were very busy. So, um, yeah, it's a Monday afternoon, last day of July. 
sunny outside. If I open the door, we can hear tennis going on because the school backs onto a tennis club. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are. Looking good. And so is is July a busy period for the London School of English? Yeah, typically July is the busiest month for most schools mm. in the UK mm. uh, because that's when everyone else is on their holiday. August is busy, not always as busy as July, but July and August, September, they're the three busiest months oh, of the see, year. I see. So what's actually going on then in the, in the school at this moment as we're talking? So we've got uh, general English courses, business English courses, uh, legal English courses. I think you've taught all of those. Yeah, yeah. I used to, time here. As yeah. my listeners know, I used to work here. In fact, it was quite, quite odd coming to visit today because mm. I came from... Uh, near where I used to live. So I got the same bus that I used to take every day to come here to work, you know, the same exact route. And then I got off at exactly the same bus stop, walked the same, you know, uh, the same way to, to get to the mm. school, walked in. And it was like, you know, weirdly, it was like I hadn't been away. You know, I yeah. queued up for my lunch just like I used to. And some of the other teachers who I used to know were like, what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, like they didn't know I was going to be here. So, um, and there are others that kind of do that thing where they just kind of go, you're right. Yeah. And then they're like, what? They do like <laughs> yeah. a double take. They just yeah. think, oh, yeah, yeah. oh no, hang on. You don't work here anymore. You, what? You've not been here for five years. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, it's, it's nice. It reminds me of like some of the good, uh, experiences I had teaching here in these rooms, like next door, there's a class going on. I used to teach in there. Mm. Um, so what do you, I mean, when I left here about five years ago, Andy, I think you were probably a teacher, you were doing some management work as well. Yeah. What do you do these days? Uh, nowadays I'm responsible for all the online learning. So, um, I've always been interested in online learning and last year we set up or the, the, the school is part of a group, the London School Group, and yeah. that has different companies. And last year they set up an online learning company and that's kind of my responsibility. So um, it's doing online courses for students that book courses here in the school. Mm. I, we also sell courses online and we do virtual training, that kind of stuff, and a lot of work with companies, mainly in London, weirdly enough. But we've got a lot of, um, we do a lot of work with um, organisations in the UK. So these, these are companies that, for example, need to set up some English training for their, yeah. for their staff and they want to do something online, yeah. right? Yeah, typically because of economies, time, that kind of thing. Yeah. So one of our biggest customers is a, is a restaurant chain and um, they simply don't have the time to send people here to do mm. lessons. So we, we do them online with them instead. I see. So what, they're like direct sort of Skype type lessons or, or like online platforms? Or? A bit of both. So we've got a learner management system, an online learning platform. And on that we can put loads of things so we've got six different course types or we often do bespoke stuff we build stuff for the customer and that sits on the platform mm. often they just do that as sort of self-study um often they'll combine it with skype tuition we also have um a verbal uh, a verbal a virtual mm. classroom mm. that we do stuff with it's a mix of anything really anything that happens digitally or online is 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 my responsibility do you think things are going in that direction because i mean you know i the London School of English has been going for years. It's like over 100 years old. Mm. And, you know, we've got teachers here at the school who've been working here for, I don't know, how long? Over 100 years. Over, over 100 years. <laughs> um, I mean, someone like Francis, who, who's been on this podcast, he was in episode 70-something. 
talking about music and language. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, but someone like Francis has been working here for, what, 30 years? 30 years. I mean, I've been here 10 years this yeah. summer. 10 years? 10 years. I don't know where that went. Yeah. Yeah, time flies. Yeah. And I'm like one of the more junior members of staff. Right. But yeah, we've we've got people who have been in 25, 30 years. It, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a good place to work, I think, because you get a lot of variety and it's, an, it's a nice environment to work in as well. And the, the pay is quite good. But that model of uh, uh, an institution in London which yeah. receives students from around the world who've travelled to come here and they, they come in and they do, cla- you know, they do classes mm. during the day and then they're, you know, in London in the evening or whatever. That model, is that, you know, that, that's the model that's been going for, you know, God knows how many years, mm. but certainly here at the London School mm. of English for ages. Mm. Is that changing, do you think? It is, it is. I think that model is under threat somewhat. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, you used to have beginners coming here to do English. Um, But because the standard of um, language training, particularly at school, like junior school, um, when children are learning, they kind of come out of school having a reasonably good grasp of English already. Mm. So in terms of the number of, the sheer number of people who want to learn English and who need to learn English... I think that number is still quite high, but the number that can afford to jump on a plane and take time out of their work to come and do a course... They have to jump out of a plane? They have to, did I say jump out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds good. I quite like that idea. The, the number skies. of people who have to jump out of a plane is, is, is increasing, <laughs> oddly enough. That's how they arrive here at the That's school. That's how they arrive. Jets, they parachute they, in. They don't tell you that in the promotional materials, but uh, you do have to skydive into the, into the facility. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you jump if onto a plane and jump off a plane, I if suppose. you're scared of heights, then it's a, it's a bit of a worry. Just close your eyes. But um, it just feels like wind. <laughs> you're not scared of wind, right? Who's scared of wind? Just close your eyes, and you'll be fine. Anyway, so the uh, the number of people. What were you saying? The number of beginners. Maybe there are fewer beginners. There's few beginners. The standard of of language training in people's own countries is much higher that certainly the level of competition for us is is much higher than it ever used to be it's um this school's quite interesting because it, it, it's always and initially it was a very big operation they had like i think three centers on oxford street and they used to have 500 600 students and in the 60s the owner decided that he wanted to just do something much more um, niche or boutique. I don't know how, how to explain that word, but yeah. something more specialised. I think is a better way of doing so it. Smaller with a with a more specific um, appeal. Yeah, and uh, so they moved out here to Holland Park, took over this building, which is used to be a big private house. And I think the previous tenants were was a ballet school, the Royal Academy of Dance. Really? Yeah. So it, it's it's got a really interesting history. This building, but he. He wanted to just focus on ESP, so English for business, English for real specialist stuff. So they've developed a whole bunch of really interesting courses. And as a teacher, as we both used to be, and well, you still are, mm. um, f- I think that the real attraction of working in a place like this is you, you weren't just doing general English all the time. You were doing all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, we taught human resources, journalists, legal English. Yeah. Name a thing. We taught them. Like I, I, some of the weird stuff I taught English for the oil and gas industry. That's right. Yeah. Um, English for Swedish journalists, English for French doctors. I taught a Playboy model once. You taught a Playboy that model. That was good. Yeah. Enjoyed that week. Um, all sorts of uh, Thai royal family. We had the royal family from Thailand. The princess in. from from Thailand. That's right. Football coaches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the professional 
footballer from Brazil, the World yeah. Cup winner. Yeah. Jai de Oliveira. Uh, yeah, he was here. Yeah, but, so it's cool. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, but to answer your, your question, I think the, the traditional market for places like this is, is definitely decreasing. Um, and I think increasingly schools are needing to focus on the whole experience side of things because instead of selling language courses, what we're actually, what a lot of companies like us actually do is they sell like the whole language experience and the travel experience. So it's almost like booking a holiday yeah. of which part of it is language training. Mm. But the, the, you know, the, the, the main part is about, you know, seeing London or seeing Canterbury where our, our other center is and, and, you know, just um, learning things about yourself more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, when you were on this podcast before, you were talking about the talk you did about millennials. Yes. At the French uh, teaching conference and that's about right, the yeah. IATFL conference uh, in Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Now, um, as an English teacher, um, you do get the opportunities to do these these talks, and mm. you're always trying to get me to do them. I've never done one yet. Well, I did one with you. Did on me. The, the highly acclaimed uh, talk. Award winning. The award winning talk we did together. But since then, I haven't done any of those things. I might do. Um, but so. You're planning to do some more in the coming year, aren't you? Yeah, well... You've got a new talk planned, I think. I've been asked to do this... um, I've been asked to do a talk in Cambridge. Yeah. And and I'm then also going to do it in Malta as well. And it, it kind of builds on what we've just been talking about and... The it's the idea that well if if people aren't coming to language schools anymore to learn English where are they going and one of the things that I um I was really interested in when I was doing the whole millennials talk was this idea of self directed learning so the idea that um you've got so much choice out there in terms of how you you learn your language and how you improve your language you don't really need to rely on classroom instruction. So the talk is really, um, it's about where people are going to learn language. And I think, you know, something like your podcast is a really good example because people are developing communities of, of learning. And, you know, I've been on your message boards and I, I've been my, on... My comment section. Your comment section, yeah. And it, it's quite amazing how um, people are using that. And there is this genuine language learning going on there. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of pictures of cakes which <laughs> shouldn't be there, Jack. Uh, but uh, but also, you know, there's um, you know, I go on every now and again, and there'll be like genuine questions about what, how do you use this, how do you use that, and it's not just you that always gives the answers. It's people teach each other, yeah. and that that's quite powerful. That kind of peer learning thing. Yeah, and and all the these teams as well, like the Orion transcription team, the yeah. Andromeda proofreading team yeah the comment section crew there are these groups there's also meetups happening mm. people get together in different cities in different places there was one in london recently there was one in there? london there was one on sunday in london yeah if, london lepsters who didn't come you missed out because we had a nice time but thomas sorry if you didn't find us but we were just there we were literally standing there right outside the the entrance to the pub had you reserved a big table we didn't we didn't yeah we hadn't reserved a big table or anything it was just the two of us standing there so anyway, but no, in, in, in Moscow, in St. Petersburg, uh, there was one in Prague. Mm. Uh, there's been a number of them in Tokyo. So yeah, all these, these groups of people that don't have a teacher at the head. Mm. It's not a classroom. They're just finding ways of getting together yeah. in various communities, either online or offline. Um, yeah, self-directed learning. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing because it's entirely free. It's very democratized. Um, and it 
just takes a few people to champion it and to create a community of learning and that and i think that's really fascinating um and so that's what the 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 talk is going to explore it's going to be giving a few examples of of um you know such such things i mean including your podcast of course um so yeah Mm. so that's i've got uh, i've got quite a bit of time to write it i've got till november before i need to give that talk so i've got it's still kind of coming together in my head Mm. Mm. i'm sure it'll be very good i look Mm. forward to hearing more about that Mm. um so i was going to ask you andy what did you say you said something about something i can't remember what you said but you said a certain word when you when you say certain words andy you do pronounce them in a slightly different way oh really yeah just a few words i've noted a few of these things down where are you from originally i mean you don't have a strong accent yeah i'm just we're talking now about accents because it's something that i'm always trying to encourage my listeners to sort of be aware of you know as they're listening to voices i think you know in a in a when English is your second language. It can be very hard yeah. to identify the accent. Yeah. And often what people notice is the general tone of the voice rather than specific things like consonant sounds or vowel sounds or intonation mm. and things like that. So I think that you, you, you speak like really clearly. You don't have a strong mm. accent exactly. But, um, you know, where, where are you from originally? Well, originally Manchester. So oh. I grew up there, went to school there. And then uh, I went to university in a place called Lancaster, which is even further north. It's like in the Lake District, uh-huh. maybe an hour and a half north of Manchester. Mm. But then after university, after. sorry, no, after, no, that, no, I'm just pointing that one out. After. That's, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, <laughs> go on. After university, when I was uh, 22, I moved to London and I'm now 41. So I've spent pretty much half my life in london and as a result i think particularly through language teaching you learn to lose your accent and it is it is strange because when i speak to my brother who still lives up north my accent it comes out really quickly i i don't i don't think my accent is that strong anymore but every now and again somebody who's not really used to a northern accent will will pick up on it like you have Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. Whereas if I speak to my family, they just go, oh, you sound really Southern. <laughs> really? But, you know, I've spent most of my life in London now, so. Yeah. But just little things that sort of reveal that you're, for me, it's that shows that you're from the North. Oh, is, that, is that a bad thing to say? The North, by the well, way? Well, it's an area. Yeah. It's a region. Yeah. You don't, you're not even from a region. You're just from the middle yeah, I know, yeah. Just from the Midlands, the vague Midlands. The, big, the, the Midlands. Nobody wants to be in the Midlands. I don't know. It's you want right. to be north or south. You don't no, want to be in the, the middle. The Midlands are uh, underestimated. It's, the Midlands have got a lot more going for them than people realise. Like in the, in the south, like in London, people just, a lot of people don't even realise the Midlands exist. You know, they're just, they think if it's above the M25 or if it's above Watford, it's, it's the north. north. Yeah. Because that's where people speak with, you know, a slightly different accent. There is a cut-off point, I'm not sure where it is, where certain vowel sounds are, are pronounced differently. Like, for example, these ones. Like, I'd say bath and grass and laugh and podcast and ask a question and after. Yeah. How do you say those words? Can I have a look at them? Yeah, these, these ones here. Oh, so you've been making notes while I've been talking. It's very disconcerting. We didn't say these, these first three, but you said the others. Go on, say, say them for me. Bath. How would you say it? Bath. Grass. Grass. Laugh. Laugh. Podcast. Podcast. Ask. Ask. After. After. So it's really the 
how I say it's it, the, ah, uh, and you say ah. Ah, yeah. And that's the basic sort of, I guess it's the north-south divide, but I think in, in the Midlands, people will also say bath, grass, laugh, podcast, ask, and after, you know, like that. Um, but that's just inter- an, an interesting little feature yeah. that I think is not too difficult for my listeners to notice. But your accent softened as well, because you just turned it on a little bit there, didn't you? Yeah. You turned on your Brummie accent. Well, I never had a really strong Brummie accent, because we lived out in the sticks. Yeah. We lived in an area where people did speak with an accent, but because, I don't know, because the household I lived in, yeah. you know, my parents didn't have an accent, yeah. really. When I say didn't have an accent, my parents spoke with basic received pronunciation, yeah. you know, and that was all, you know, I think they made an effort to try and speak like that. Um even though they're both from Yorkshire originally. Really? My yeah. dad's from Yorkshire as well. Yeah, my, my, my dad's from Leeds and my mum was from Barnsley area. Oh, wow. So, it's, you know, they used to speak... My dad used to speak a bit more like that, you know, from Leeds. And now he's a bit more softly spoken. <laughs> and he goes, hello, Lukey. <laughs> Luke's dad um, came to the school once because... They know him from the podcast. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular contributor. But yeah, my dad came here once. To give a talk about journalism? Yeah, that's right. Because on our special courses, on on our special courses, on the London School of English's special courses, um, you invite guest speakers to come. And they do like talks for an hour. Yeah. It's brilliant. Really, we, we were both teaching the same course, weren't we? We're we were teaching the Swedish same, journalists. Swedish journalists, and and so we were, you know, we were preparing the course. We were thinking, who are we going to bring in to talk to this group of Swedish journalists about something journalistic? And I was like, well, maybe my dad could. We, do it. we couldn't find anyone, so we thought, well, <laughs> yeah, and the last, my dad definitely can't do it. He doesn't know anything about journalism. Luke, your dad? Like, well, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> it's like since we haven't got anyone else, we might as well invite him. So my dad agreed to do it and he came in and stuff and he did a talk about journalism, which was interesting. It was excellent, <laughs> actually. It was, it was really quite, good. I have to say, it was it was cool to have him and he gave a really good talk, but also it was sort of unexpectedly embarrassing for me because I suddenly realised that, like, my dad, you know, my dad was going to come to my workplace. Yeah. And, I mean, my dad's nice and cool and everything, but it was a bit weird. It suddenly felt like I was a child again. I The two things I remember about it, he was dressed from head to toe in black yeah he had black like a sh- black roll neck or black polo neck like or a something black shirt with black jeans black shoes so head to, he looked like johnny cash for goodness sake or a hitman yeah or an assassin yeah or if johnny cash was an, was an assassin which he could have been considering he dressed all in black and the other thing i remember is he kept calling you lukey oh. lukey <laughs> yeah I don't think he realised that he was doing that. No. Like the one thing that that happened was that he was in the middle of his talk, yeah. and I think he was trying to project something on a screen. He had a technical was, issue, didn't he? Had he? a slight technical issue, yeah. and I was sitting like way over on the side and at the back, you know, just sort of observing. And he turned, and you know, bearing in mind there was probably about thirty Swedish journalists in the room and all the teachers and stuff, and he turned and he said. Lukey, can you help me with this? And I was like, oh, God, I can't believe he called me Lukey. How embarrassing. It was good. It was good. We've been calling you Lukey ever since. Yeah. Um, So uh, where were we? Uh, That's it. Where you come from. So originally you're from the Manchester area, but you've been living in London for ages. And so, yeah, yeah, you don't have a strong accent or anything. I just thought it was worth sort of mentioning the way in which you, you said those words, which is like a typical feature of English that you find in sort of areas just north of Watford probably or from the Midlands up 
that you that I would say bath, but it's a, a you'd say bath. So you can see, even though yeah. I'm technically from the Midlands, I still say bath and grass and laugh. Uh, even though some of my mates from back home would say bath, grass, laugh. Yeah, it's a strange one. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that I think is quite noticeable if you're British. But I wonder how. I don't think it prevents people from understanding what the word is, yeah, and no. I'm not sure even sure how how much people who perhaps don't speak English as a first language would even notice this. I don't think Americans even realise. Yeah. You never hear American comedians or anything sort of picking up on that, do, do you? I don't think they know. The only thing that they um, always pick up on is the difference between ass and arse. Right. Because they think arse is really kind of a very British way of saying mm. your ass. Yeah, yeah. And they, you know, for Americans, I think there are two versions of English. Mm. There's... You know, this kind of Queen's English, this posh sort of thing, mm. which they find condescending. And every bad guy in all Hollywood films speaks in this, you know, evil English accent, the high class kind of thing. Mm. And then there's Cockney. So, mate, I'm a Cockney. And um, the Mary Poppins thing. Mary yeah. Poppins. God <laughs> blimey, governor. And so basically for Americans, English people are members of the royal family or they are Cockneys. Cockney chimney sweeps. From the 19th century. When I was training to be a teacher, I went out to Barcelona to do my teacher training course. And there was like 25 of us on the course. And it was 24 Americans and Andy. Oh, God. And um, I, they used to just laugh at my accent all the time. Right. And like on the second day, this guy, he was actually, he was a really cool guy in the end. But this is how he, this is the first thing he said to me when I walked into the classroom. He went... Tallyho, Andy, how about some bloody beef? Uh, and I'm like... <laughs> Tallyho, no one ever says that. No one says that. Tallyho, Andy, pip pip, how about some bloody beef? And you were like, uh, excuse yeah. me? I was just, yeah, smiling politely. What are you talking about? Yeah, No one ever says that either. Bloody beef, have you ever said that? No, bloody beef. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do say bloody, bloody hell. Bloody you hell, know, yeah. You bloody idiot. But... How about some bloody beef? No, no, I do find that annoying, I have to mm. say, when, uh, you know, it's just like the stereotypical sort of British accent. Um, anyway, now, um, we've been talking for 36 minutes. Have we? Yeah. <laughs> Already? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the way it goes on this I've podcast. got a job to do. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, we just talk nonsense and time passes. That's the way it works. Uh, I thought that we could uh, move on to talk about uh, your running stuff. Oh, okay. Um, maybe I can just press pause yep. and then that can be the next episode. Okay. Right. Um, okay, good. So let's do that. All right then. Uh, yeah. Uh, cheerio everyone. Tally ho. Cheerio. Tally ho everyone. Off Catch to have up. some bloody beef. Pip pip. Speak to you in the next episode. <laughs> Okay, so that was the end of part one of my conversation with Andy. Uh, you'll be able to listen to part two uh, soon, I expect. Now, uh, in the middle of that conversation, you heard us talking about Andy's uh, next IATEFL conference talk. I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, if you remember. So uh, at the next IATEFL conference and other teaching conferences, which will be coming up over the next year, um, Andy is planning on doing a presentation about self-directed learning. Um, you heard him talking about it in the episode. So Andy would like uh, some help 
from you in preparing uh, for the talk. He needs to do some research and he'd like to ask you a few questions about your English learning, um, particularly how you use this podcast, my website and any other resources for learning English. So um, we're talking about um, learning in a classroom Okay, that's where you go to, you join an, a school and you take classes with a teacher in a classroom. And then learning using any other resources, for example, this website, uh, teacherluke.co.uk, my podcast, or any other resources that you find on the internet. That's basically where you sort of direct your own learning rather than following a course program. Okay, so what Andy's interested in is is the self-directed learning. Okay, so he'd like... Uh, he'd like basically to to ask you to do a quick survey for him, okay? He, uh, which is going to help him to prepare for his talk. He's created a quick questionnaire, and you can find it on the page for this episode. Uh, you'll see a big link. It says Andy's survey, um, something like Andy's survey. Click the link, answer the questions. It'll just take you a few minutes. And you will help Andy a lot in his presentation. Basically, the survey asks you how useful Luke's English Podcast or teacherluke.co.uk or other sites are for learning English, and how you um, and how you find those things, how you've uh, found those different uh, resources. Uh, Andy also asks uh, whether you pay for additional language tuition or whether you would pay for additional language tuition and by additional language tuition we're still talking about those resources for um, self-directed learning so do you pay for any of that stuff that you're using or would you pay for example would you pay for luke's english podcast now that's andy asking the question not me okay uh, so I'm not asking you if you would pay for Luke's English podcast. I don't have plans to make uh, the the majority of these episodes uh, paid, all right? But Andy is asking because it's part of his research. So Andy's trying to investigate why people are choosing to listen to my podcast, for example, instead of taking traditional language courses, if indeed that is the case. So let Andy know. Complete his questionnaire. It'll take you a couple of minutes. It's really going to help him. And then maybe one day in the future when he's done more research and he's more ready, he can talk to us about his uh, presentation on self-directed learning. So stay tuned for the next episode, uh, part two, the second conversation with Andy, which will be coming soon. In that one, you'll hear Andy talk about his very personal reasons for training to run the London Marathon. And I have to say that the conversation was much more surprising than I'd expected. And it was also actually quite moving for a few reasons. So check that out when it arrives. I think you're really going to enjoy listening to uh, part two of this conversation. Don't forget to join the mailing list on the website so that you will get email notifications whenever new episodes are uploaded uh, over the coming days and weeks. And don't forget to watch out for some website-only content, which will be coming soon too. Thank you very much for listening, and have yourself a great morning, afternoon, evening, night or day, whichever part of the world you're in, and whatever you're up to. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.